Hey everybody, it's your boy John Miller once again. Before we get on with our regularly scheduled program, just wanted to really quickly tie in a little loose end from the previous week as I named my show Who Invited Mark Zuckerberg? But I never totally paid that off, did I? So before we get to our regularly scheduled program, here's a clip from South Park that I think is pretty self-explanatory. Something. This guy's going around acting like everyone's stuff is his. I'm sick of getting out of the shower to find Mark Zuckerberg sitting on my toilet. Zuckerberg ate everything in our freezer and then helped himself to my wife's lubricant. All right, all right, everyone. I just want to know one thing. Who invited him here? Come on. Who invited Mark Zuckerberg to town in the first place? We did. We did. We did. Huh? What's that? We invited Mark Zuckerberg to town. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. You all brought Mark Zuckerberg into your lives, and now you want the police to shoot him. Please, you don't understand. He, he's such a penis. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure his voice is dubbed, and he does all his own sound effects. Well, that doesn't mean he's done anything illegal. Now, the police will help deal with Mark Zuckerberg, but we aren't going to shoot him. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. You all should have thought harder about this before letting him into your lives. Yes, that's a little Jack White off his new album, Boarding House Reach. And I needed a little pick-me-up because, man, did we have a little rough little day in the market. I could say little a few more times. That'll make it more interesting. What happened? My goodness. If you look at my portfolio today, nothing good, I guess. Defense stocks were down big, which clearly I'm overweight in. But you know what? Guess who's not panicking? Me. I don't panic. You know why? Because I have utter conviction in defense stocks, and that's not that's not stopping anytime soon. You know, Northrop Grumman was down six percent today, but I'm not the type to panic. And by the end of the day, it was still down, but not nearly six percent. Took all the rest of my defense positions and everything else in the market, defense wise, down with it. But is there going to be a uh, secession to war anytime soon? I don't think so. Do you? So let's let's. Let's remain steadfast in those positions for now, and let's not panic. And in fact, if you haven't gotten in yet, now's a pretty good time, I would say. To me, the most interesting thing about these defense positions in the last few years is how they've hardly gotten any fanfare. You look at what they've done since 2001, the, the performance has been nothing short of incredible, and yet somehow it doesn't get the ink that maybe other types of investments have. You take Bitcoin, for instance, and the amount of press that it got with its meteoric rise. Now, an interesting psychological phenomenon, speaking of Bitcoin, I remember, I think it was January when it hit its peak. It's been, it's been cut 
very much in half, almost in half, I think, in, in the last few months. But what I noticed is what what represented the almost exact top in Bitcoin prices was that almost everybody who knows what I do for a living started asking me about it. Isn't that interesting? Once everybody, especially the masses who aren't normally asking you about investments or stocks or anything like that, if there's suddenly a position that all of them are very interested in, that's, that should shoot up some alarm bells because it tells you that there aren't any sellers left. Everybody's just looking to buy at that point. Also say yesterday, one of my defense positions, HXL, Hexel, if that weren't for Lockheed Martin yesterday and the overall market and also Northrop today with the, their stock's performance, there's no doubt that Hexel would have been up even higher than it was. It started off the previous day up some 5%, ended up uh, slightly higher, but not as higher as it deserved to quite possibly if it would have uh, had its report, its quarterly report on a better day in the market. A good rule of thumb in the past was that 50% of your stock's performance was based on its sector. For instance, Hexel is going to trade most of its move, not most, but in the past half of its move would be based on the rest of its sector. But today as we get fewer and fewer human traders and more electronic traders and what we would call, I guess, the ETFization, the more and more electronic traded funds that just more and more stocks are traded in mass than ever before, I think that we now have to say it's at least 75% of any individual stock is more based on its actual sector and the stocks that it trades with than even its own performance, its own individual performance. So that's something that we all need to keep in mind. Uh, never, it's, it's great to have conviction in individual stocks. You really need conviction in the whole business uh, going forward. Frankly, this is one of those types of days for me where it's good to step away from the computer when you're having a day in which there isn't a lot of actionable news. And frankly, a lot of earnings season is going to be like this. We're going to see a lot of, you know, sharp moves one way or the other. But this isn't this is a time to listen and not so much a time to trade and take action. See, I'm a big believer in what I like to call, this is a phrase that I've made up, it's called emotional time shifting. It's something I like to practice. It's, it's a way I, I try to remind myself to be able to look past whatever I'm feeling in that moment. So there's an old saying that comedy equals tragedy plus time. Well, I, I'd like to as much as I can. I'm not perfect at this. Clearly, I'm an emotional human being like anybody else. But I like to skip the whole tragedy and time part and just get to the comedy as far as just attitudinally with your trading, with your investments. Don't get so caught up in, oh, gosh darn it, I lost 6% in one day on a stock that I'm up 120% in like the North, the North of Grumman, Lockheed Martin Raytheon positions that I have. Well, let's not let's not hand ring in the short term when in the long term we're doing fine. Let's just skip all that emotional nonsense. But again, that's easy for me to say. Getting back to my Bitcoin point about how when suddenly I had a bunch of people asking me about that particular position, I can take my own personal experience, my own personal emotions, and use those as an opposite indicator too. 
There have been days where, I'm not proud to say it, but it's absolutely true. There, my wife can tell you, there are days occasionally, not very often anymore, but occasionally there are still days where I'm, you know, I'll slam my hand down on the desk or I'll, I'll be cursing or whatever. It's just after a few days of just over and over again, the same old, you know, it, it just enough days of, of negative action can, can take a toll on anybody's emotions. And it sure seems that if I ever, if I lose my gasket a little bit, that's almost the perfect time to buy because Lord knows I can't be the only one who's losing his gasket. And frankly, since I don't trade on the margin, since I don't borrow, what that means is borrowing money to trade stocks, since I don't do that as many people do, there are people who are going to panic a lot more quickly than I am. So if I'm panicking, it's probably a sign that the pain is about to subside, at least for the short term. Well, last Friday was 420, and as many of you who like to partake are aware, it is a somewhat of a national holiday for the consumption of cannabis, a.k.a. marijuana, a.k.a. the stickiest of the icky. But here's what I want to say about that. It's more of a, a legal point that actually happens to apply to several things, most notably guns as well. You see, there's actually an interesting company, uh, GWPH. The PH is for pharmaceutical, but the GWPH is the stock symbol. It's one of the best ways you can play uh, sort of the cannaboid thing, the, the legal side, the federally legal side. Which is, uh, it's, this has actually been, they have a, a, a treatment that's been approved by the FDA. So they essentially have a legal monopoly on certain types of treatment. But here's what's ironic about that particular position. I, I'm not going to recommend it here, even though it is the purest play that I can find on the whole cannabinoid thing. Uh, the medical side uh, of the cannabis industry that will not actually get you high that thc is the part that will get you high uh my point here is the point is is that there's a certain irony in that the more legalization that there is in this country the more states that legalize recreational use and medical use of cannabis gwph actually goes down and then it's sort of an opposite thing where gun stocks every time there's a threat of more legalization of gun stock of guns if there's sort of this idea that you know after in the wake of a parkland shooting or whatever it might be any of these events these tragic events where there are more calls for gun control whether you believe in that or not the bottom line is is when these things happen the irony is is the gun stocks go higher Obviously, Barack Obama was more of an anti-gun president than Donald Trump, and just look at what the gun stocks have done performance-wise under President Obama's eight years versus these last 18 or so months of President Trump. Finally, before we get out of here, I just wanted to share a couple quick sound bites with you from Susie Orman, who is famously used to be on CNBC and has written a lot of books about investing and that sort of thing and money of course just in general but mostly investing has been her her uh, her claim to fame and yeah and that and her wild collection of multicolored jackets that's also her claim to fame 
But anyway, uh, Susie is, was on the Adam Carolla show last week, and uh, I thought she had uh, some interesting points that revealed both what she's right about and what she's wrong about. First, let's start about with the right. They said to me, a guy said to me um, when I was 33, do you have life insurance? And I said, no. And he said, oh, you should get life insurance. And I said, I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I don't have anybody, and I don't like my parents. Right. And he's, But I said at a certain point, which I say to everybody when they ask me, you know, well, you want to get life? I go, what do people in my position do? And he went, they have life insurance. And I said, well, then let's just no, do they don't. what oh, people damn. do. They don't. They don't. They don't. You just got sold a bill of goods. Do you know that if one of the biggest mistakes you will ever make with your money is to buy a whole life, universal, or variable life insurance policy? Which one of those, which one of those three did you buy, Adam? Have, which one of those did you get suckered into? I have no into? idea, and don't ask Lynette. <laughs> So one of the interesting things about that clip to me is that Adam Carolla had the correct instincts. He said, what are you talking about? I'm 33 years old. His basic common sense was correct. He's 33. He has no children. He's going, why would I possibly need life insurance? Nobody's counting on me. Again, I don't like my parents. Screw them. That's his attitude. He was correct to have that attitude. But guess what? A so-called expert was able to talk him out of it simply because, in Adam's own perception anyway, he did not have the knowledge nor the capability of being able to answer that pretty simple question. And even though his instincts were totally spot on, he went against them and actually ended up costing himself money. So what I'm saying is, is if you're a person who has common sense like Adam Carolla, and if you're listening to this, I have a lot of confidence that you do, By all means, when you have a simple question like that, question it. Don't just be like, oh, I guess I should get life insurance. You'd be amazed how many stupid things that successful people do. Don't just be a lemming and do it because everybody else is doing it. That's the worst. Our our mothers taught us that that's horrible reasoning, right? So unfortunately, after that great bit of advice... Miss Orman starts going in the Keynesian path, which I'm not a huge fan of. Check it out. Yeah, I think the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous, number one. I think the tax um, act that he just passed absolutely will be the doom of us. I think that with an eventual $2 trillion deficit, with artificial intelligence coming on, do not be surprised by the year 2030 if you see a 25% unemployment rate. So there are things that are happening out there that people really need to get involved with their money big time. Big time. Because if you think Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid or anything is going to be able to save anybody, it's not, Adam. Well, first of all, here, here's one of the big problems with that line of thinking. Um, Taxes don't create jobs. The government does not create jobs. Now, some of you are going to say, well, what are you talking about? The government has lots of jobs. Well, yes, it does. That's true. That's the seen part. The unseen part is how they're able to get the wealth that they need to to pay people to do those particular jobs. You see, there has to be productive people in the real economy making real wealth. You see, when you take away money from that economy, from real people, 
then there's less money for them to create jobs, to create actual wealth. See, the government has no calculation of its own, so the more and more it gets involved in our economy, actually the worse it makes the economy, unlike what Susie says there. And Susie's idea that robots are somehow going to be the end of our economy is an idea that's seemingly as old as at least the Luddites. Now, you see, if you, if you, if you believe Susie, you would take the people from Les Miserables, like the, uh, the Fantine character, isn't that how you pronounce her name? You know, her and all of the ladies who were uh, sweating their butts off sewing things together for the big capital, the newly found capitalist Jean Valjean, did it seem like they were having a lot of fun? Because it seemed like they were miserable. That was the point they were trying to make in that movie, right? In that in that play, in that musical, in that... Now oh, there's been 8 million different versions of it. That's right. What is it all for? You see, they didn't exactly make it seem like the sewing jobs were the greatest thing in the world. Now, I know that this is, you know, France in the mid-1700s or whatever. I get it. Not a perfect analogy. But my point is, all these ladies who were previously sewing their butts off, well, those were jobs. Um, Those jobs are now gone in the large part, having been replaced by the sewing machine. Now, the sewing machine does not have a robot head, a robot face, arms, human-like appendages, anything like that. What I, I guess what I'm asking is, is what makes a robot? Because for all intents and purposes, the, show, the sewing machine is a robot. It replaced labor that was previously done by human beings. Are human beings more wealthy and better off now than they were after the sewing machine, after the invention of the car, after the invention of the washing machine? All of these things clearly have made human beings better off. And not only while, yes, there were some saddle repair jobs that disappeared, numerous other jobs have appeared in their place. The amount of things that people desire is never-ending. There's something that people completely take for granted. You see, the Keynesians of the world, like Susie Orman, unfortunately would apparently have you believe that Fantine and the women of 17th century, of 18th century France would have been better off keeping those sewing jobs and working 14 hours a day just with better pensions and benefits and maybe working only eight hours a day. You see, life isn't about progress for them. It's about having jobs. As long as we can just struggle away with our labor and we get our nice paychecks, somehow that's life to these people. I'd much rather live in a world of progress than their world of stagnation. I'm sorry. And just watching a huge percentage of the world toil and labor. You see, in this country, when it started, 90% or something of the population was into farming. Essentially, they were into subsistence, trying to stay alive. Well, we have a lot fewer farming jobs now. And once again, everyone is so much better off than they were 250 years ago, it's not even comparable. So Susie, get out of here with that mess.
And with that, the last thing I'm going to leave you all with, market-wise, just don't panic. Stick with me. Very soon, we're going to have the full everybodytrades.com website available. But hey, if you want to go now, the, the portfolio is live. The trading alerts are live. Go there now. Take a free two-week trial. Check it out and feel free to give me some feedback. And until then, we'll give you some more Everybody Trades very, very soon. Check it out, everybody. See you soon. Can the lovers